sometimes you have to get out of the way of thinking, I have to be perfect or I have to invest all this money to do this stuff right away. You don't at all. Like you just need to start. You just have to start. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Whisker Cloud podcast. Today, I have the world famous Derm Vet. That's it. I was going to say your name, but no, if they don't know who the Derm Vet is, I don't really want to associate with them. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good, Adam. World famous could be pushing it, but you know, at this point in my life, I'll take any compliment with this crazy COVID world and we're all just like ducks paddling underwater. So thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. This is, as I refer to her at my house, Ashley Bourgeois. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's my name. <laughs> I pronounce your name wrong every single time. And the frustrating part so far of Whisker Talks is I mispronounce where people are from, where people, how they pronounce different things. Why don't you tell everyone who you are and what you do? You actually said my name just fine this time. I know. Did you practice? Oh, man. This is such a theme on all of these episodes. It's just me mispronouncing stuff. I practice. I've been saying it all day. (laughs) (laughs) No, thanks for having me. I am Ashley Bourgeois, known as the Derm Vet, just this little passion project of mine. But I am a board-certified veterinary dermatologist. I am practicing with Animal Dermatology Clinic Portland, just southeast of Portland, Oregon. And yeah, just developed a social media presence probably for like the last year and a half, just trying to really make veterinary dermatology as fun and cool as it could be. So it's kind of organically taken off all by itself. And it's just been a ton of fun. And I just can't wait to see where it goes. Well, and you and I have gotten close for a couple reasons, because A, you're really cool. (laughs) And B, I have an eight-year-old Boston Terrier who has just an insane amount of allergy issues. And I'm truthfully fascinated about dermatology. And even my veterinarian, Dr. Lewis in Huntington Beach, California, I mean, I found my way to him because he's known as sort of the dermatology guy in Orange County. And dermatology is so fascinating to me because I mean, I think about Baxter's life, Baxter's eight. I rescued him from a pretty bad abusive situation when he was about nine weeks old is a little red Boston Terrier. I say little, he's 32 pounds (laughs) in his life. When I look back his life, he's had this amazing life and he's honestly my best friend on earth. Hmm. Shout out to my wife for never punching me when I say that all the time (laughs) to everyone, but Baxter is my best friend. I wake up in the middle of the night. He, I go get water. He follows me down every step. He follows me up every step. I go to take the trash out. He stands by the door. Everyone knows the relationship I have. It's one of those like, okay, we rescued each other type deals. But yeah, I look at your Instagram page and I see this like microscope stuff that I don't understand. And it is the most fascinating stuff on the planet to me, even though I don't super understand it. I'm just a a boring marketing guy. So I wanted to start off the episode by talking about your superhero origin story. So this is where you tell everyone that the spider bit your hand and you became Spider-Man. The gamma ray bomb dropped and you became the Hulk. So at what point did you say, I want to be a veterinarian? And then Beyond that, at what point did you say, I'm going to become the derm vet, which is kind of superhero like? (laughs) 
Well, I wish my story was as cool as getting bitten by a spider or Hulk smashing or whatever it took. But I was kind of one of those stereotypical young kids. I actually did not grow up with very many pets. I was an Air Force brat. We moved around the country all the time. We had a cat when I was really young for a a little bit. I hardly remember. And then we had a dog for a little bit that had some behavioral issues. And we ended up adopting him out to a dog trainer. And he did really well with him. But I actually didn't have a lot of pets. But I always had this pull for animals. Like I always just adored being around dogs. I loved having friends who had pets at home. And so it was around like, I think fifth grade where we had a career fair, had a veterinarian come like speak to our class. And that's where it clicked like, Oh, like I could actually do that as my job. Like that's what I'm always really excited about. And I was one of those stereotypical young kids that really never turned back and just wanted to be a vet from then on. Dermatology didn't really hit me until vet school. So when I went to vet school at the University of Missouri, I went in thinking I would do mostly small animal general practice with maybe some equine, though I I didn't have a ton of equine experience. I spent the summer before vet school at an equine farm in Florida just to get some experience and enjoyed it. But I figured I'd mostly do, you know, small animal, maybe a little bit of equine on the side. And it was my first year of vet school. And I always tell the joke that it was actually an anesthesiologist who made me first start thinking about dermatology because our associate dean, Dr. Dodum, who's an anesthesiologist, came and talked to us as a first year class. And he said, you know, if I had to go back and do it all over again, I'd be a dermatologist because nothing dies. You don't really have emergencies. You don't really need to be on call. Like, you know, it'd be a much better quality of life. And that sounded really attractive, obviously, but mostly I just kind of started realizing I loved the visualization of dermatology. And I just pretty much wanted to be a dermatologist from my first year on. I love that I can see the problem. I love the science behind the skin. The other big thing for me is, as you know, when you have a pet with skin issues, it's chronic. So like I really get to know my clients really well because I'm dealing with their pet pretty much from the time they see me to that pet's entire life. So I just love the fact that I got to really dive into developing a relationship with my client and patient. So that's kind of the snapshot of, I don't know if I call the Durham vet a superhero, but the snapshot of how it happened. That's really cool. And it's like I said, I have Baxter who has these allergies. And for me, it's it's a pretty heartbreaking thing. I mean, I remember I brought him home. He was nine or 10 weeks. And I remember thinking, oh, what a cute little, you know, it's like this tiny little brown Boston Terrier. And he's dragging himself on the carpet like a snake. And I said, oh, God, he's so funny. This is so funny. And I mean, I knew within a couple months old, he was scratching himself up. He was bleeding. So I'm not kidding you. I I, I found these hoodies on Amazon when he was the tiniest little puppy up until oh. he was like six or seven. And he had to wear shirts and hoodies 24 seven. Every photo of him, the first five, six years of his life, he's wearing hoodies. And it was the only thing that worked. And I think when he was about one or two, because I was still in Las Vegas at that time, I, I had gone out and I had spent a ton of money at a dermatologist out there that only did dermatology for dogs and cats. And we did the test and they said, okay, well, he's level four allergy for human dander. Right. And I'm thinking like, 
okay, so he's allergic to me. That's a nightmare. We did a serum. The serum was like 500 bucks a month. I did it for a year and nothing was really changing. And I moved to Denver and ended up meeting these amazing doctors who are now Whisker Cloud clients. Hey, Dr. Margot. And they were like, hey, there's this new medication called Apoquel. I think you'll love it. And Apoquel was like a game changer for us. Yeah, I think that's the really cool thing about dermatology is when we start talking about treatments, like there's all these different treatment options we have. And so you mentioned like, you know, allergy specific immunotherapy, which is, you know, like allergy shot, quote unquote. And I love that. And that's what we do. But every patient's different on how well they respond. Not every patient responds to it. Some of them kind of partially respond to it. Some of them completely respond to it. But now, even since I started doing derm, like when I started doing derm as a resident, Apoquil, the new fleet controls that are isoxazoline, Cytopoint, we didn't have them. So now to have these safer alternatives that we can use for symptomatic care without a lot of the side effects that we saw from, say, using like steroids all the time totally is a game changer. Like it's really nice that we can provide relief while we're figuring these patients out. And some of them do end up having to stay on it chronically. But the cool science behind Derm is like, you kind of get to figure that out for every case, like what's truly going to work for them. And it's just great to hear that you found something that provided a great solution and a better quality of life. Well, yeah, I mean, it's Apoquel and Cytopoint, and we took them, we put them on the hydrolyzed soy diet from Royal Canaan. We have the special like oatmeal shampoos. I mean, we, I feel like we do all of these things. I mean, it's a pretty expensive treatment, but yeah. I mean, this is life. And we have two Boston Terriers and the other one, she's 10. She also gets these red bumps all over her belly. So I think what's probably different for you is if one of the dogs are sick and we go to the vet and- it's like, hey, Baxter's throwing up. It's like, here, give him this. We're going to keep him here for a couple hours. Okay, he's good to go. But for you, what's that relationship like? Because there, I don't believe there's a way to cure this unless, you know, I've talked to you a lot unless you were holding back for this podcast, but <laughs> it's not curable. So it's like, it's sort of like if you're doing the dermatology stuff for my dogs, you're sort of with us for life and we're just going to continue to manage this and hope new stuff comes out to make it better and better. Is that pretty much it? Yeah, I mean, if I had the cure for allergies and I just announced it on this podcast today, it would probably like go viral. But unfortunately, I, you know, don't. Honestly, it comes down to so as a dermatologist, I really have to communicate with my clients. Like it is so important to set up that expectation realistically because you are absolutely right. It's a disease of management. Like, even when my patients are doing extremely well. I still am telling owners when they come in for their good rechecks, like, hey, keep me posted. Like if we hit a season and he starts getting itchy or we start seeing that ear infection again, like they're on, I like to really make my clients a part of my team. Like we're all on say team Baxter and it's like, you're the expert of Baxter at home. Like I'm the expert in managing the disease, but I have to know what's going on at home as soon as it's going on in order for us to manage him in a way that is the most successful and provides the best quality of life. But you really have to set that expectation up from the get-go. So even when I start immunotherapy, I tell owners, hey, this is successful. We stay on it. And it can be successful. And maybe we still have one summer we need to reach for something else or we have an infection, but we're looking for that overall improvement. So you really have to take the time to 
explain that to your clients so they're not frustrated every time, you know, there's a little flare here and there. So educate me on this because you would think after five, six years of working in the veterinary industry with thousands of vets, I would have an answer to this question. And yet it just popped into my head just now. (laughs) So you go to veterinary school, you become the world famous derm vet. (laughs) And so you do dermatology and I know where you practice. Are there ever times where you step in and you do non-dermatology stuff or do you basically spend 100% of your time doing derm? I am 100% of my time doing derm. So it's primarily dogs and cats. I do still do a little bit of horses. So I will skin test horses for local equine veterinarians. And then I actually do some work on zoo animals if they need me, but it's all skin. So skin and ears, the end. My own dog has her primary veterinarian because I am clueless when it comes to anything else. Like um, I have clients who are like, can you, do you also do a rabies vaccine? I'm like, no, I don't even give my own dog her rabies vaccine anymore. <laughs> like she, she has her own vet. Like you, I'm not going to malpractice because I don't keep up on that stuff. So it's just skin and ears for me. Wow. That is really interesting. I was yeah. not sure what the answer was going to be, but that's really cool. Yeah, I love it. It's just, it's nice to see the progression of our field because I get tough cases. I get cases that even only doing that now for almost like a decade, I still have cases that I even have a hard time getting under control and are really difficult. So having the progression of veterinary medicine to have such in-depth specialties, I think is pretty cool. In your Instagram, it's like my wife who you know, she considers you a friend. Uh, well, she is a friend. Always <laughs> sends me the cutest little, oh, that's so cute, little messages. Well, she, you know, she follows your Instagram. Well, we both do, but she's obsessed with Dr. Pimple Popper. Yeah. And she'll look at, you had posted a cat last week. It was like, it was like sort of orange, black, and white. And it's like, we look at these photos and we're just like so fascinated by them. Um, and you have such a big following on Instagram. How did you build this? gigantic following? Is it just because humans are gross and we like looking at gross things and you, and you present gross things in a really cool and scientific way. And it's just fascinating. <laughs> well, you're sweet to even say it's so big. Cause I just feel like it's like only kind of getting started and there's so much more I could always be doing. I think that's like the overachiever in me. So thank you. But for me, honestly, starting doing the derm vet, it all happened last year. And it was, I was actually on maternity leave with my son and I've had two kids and both maternity leaves. You'll find out like it is, yes, you're tired. Yes. There's a ton going on emotionally and it's like super, you're excited and happy. But there's a lot of downtime. It's like uncontrolled downtime, but babies sleep a lot. So I ended up really kind of like, you know, scrolling and seeing some other veterinary brands that were doing such a great job, just like teaching and making education accessible. And I was already starting to lecture quite a bit at conferences and just really loved it. I really loved teaching general practitioners how to, you know, practice better dermatology and have them have more fun with it. So I actually reached out to our, both our good friends, Daniel Lambert, and 
I was just like, you know, I'm just really interested in trying to, as a mom of two, I know that time is tough. Not everyone can travel to go to conferences and not everyone can stomach sitting through an hour or two hour lecture. Like I really think I could do something fun where I already take a ton of pictures. I really think I could do what I do lecturing but put it in a way that is easier for people who are short on time to learn and digest. And that's honestly how the Derm Vet happened was I just wanted a way for busy people, busy veterinarians, be able to learn without having to necessarily run off to a trip and leave their families every time they were going to educate themselves. And it just kind of organically grew from there to Facebook, the podcast, I mean, the website, which you manage so well. So it really just kind of kept growing on its own. And I think people just nowadays really, they want to learn. They don't necessarily always care about every little CE credit. Like if they can learn something in a post that they can read in five minutes that teaches them a lot, like they're they're really happy to do that. So I think it's really just me becoming busy and realizing that I could provide a fun way to learn dermatology for other people who are really busy. Yeah, and you have great posts. You had a post a couple of weeks back. I want to say the dog's name was Gruner. Gruner. Gruner with the very puffy eyes. Yeah, Gruner is a case of juvenile cellulitis. And his moms actually follow me. He has two moms. The hashtag is Gruner has two moms. And they actually like follow me too. And they always get so excited when they see Gruner pop up. But Gruner was a juvenile cellulitis is always like a crazy symptom because it's like a young puppy with crazy swollen symptoms around their eyes and their muzzle. And then like within a month, they look amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I was like looking at the before and after photos, but I was looking at the photos too, as like someone who's dealt with two dogs, but really one that has just crazy bad allergies. And it's like some days we wake up and his ears are bright red and his eyes are bright red. And we're like, what's going on? You you got side a point a week and a half ago, you took your Apoquel. So I like to see this. I, I feel bad saying that. Like, I like to look at these photos and they're like, we're not alone here. Right. This is really fascinating stuff because I, I always wondered, I mean, it's funny at Whisker Cloud, we work with specialty clinics that do mobile acupuncture, mobile laser therapy. We have a clinic in the middle of, kind of in the middle of the mountains in Colorado, and she only does sport injury rehab for dogs. And it's like, wow, you can start a full business out of just doing dermatology or just doing acupuncture. And I really like what you said about, um, about how the Dean had come in and said, you know, you do dermatology and nobody dies. I think for me being in vet med, We've had to put pets down over the years. I'll say this. I've, I've, I've had, I lost a cat when I was younger and I've lost one cat with my wife and another one of her family cats. I'm not prepared for the day something happens to my dogs, even a little bit. Like I, I, I will be pretty wrecked. For sure. Like who wouldn't like, I don't know that people love euthanizing. I mean, there's people who definitely do a great job at doing at home euthanasia and they are passionate about bringing the owner through that journey. I don't think any of us wish we had to, but when I did my internship, I actually felt like I was, because I do love relationships and I love people. I guess I wasn't one who minded euthanasia so much. Like I, I obviously hated doing it. But at the same time, I felt like I was really good at connecting with people and helping them through that process. But it definitely is like a nice aspect of it. We have different challenges where more that 
we do deal with people who often want a quick fix or they don't like that, you know, we can't 100% cure things. So I think the difficulty in our specialty is more communicating and dealing with that frustration. And we have a new puppy after we recently lost our old girl and it is, it's hard and it's terrible and it's a tough thing to go through. You know, our new puppy is allergic. (laughs) She's starting to chew and lick already. And even me, like, this is what I do. And every time she starts like licking and chewing, I'm like, stop it, stop it. So like, it is, it's really frustrating and it's hard to live with a pet who has that all the time. So we're blessed that we don't have to really, I mean, hardly ever do I euthanize. I have done it for a couple like really close clients, but the frustrations are more just dealing with something that's really chronic and doesn't go away. Well, you know, it's funny too. It's like with the euthanasia, we have a nice partnership with the IAHPC and they're like all amazing. And I mean, we, we got that connection through Cherie, who you and I both know, and the people that do that stuff, it's like, Thank God for them, the yeah. fact that they're able to do that. And it's funny, I always look at it, like I see that it's a great thing. It's like, hey, you have these pets that are not doing well and you're able to give them this amazing gift. I just look at it from my perspective. It's like the couple of times we've gone through it, it's been oh, yeah. so heartbreaking that like, but I also imagine that for you, you probably have situations come up where it's like, hey, we're we're maintaining this and we're doing a great job here. But at the end of the day, these, I mean, it's like Baxter, like these allergies aren't going to go away yeah. and they're always going to be here. You're all, he's always going to be on apical. He's always going to have to watch what he eats. He's going to get itchy every time spring comes. He's going to get itchy every time fall comes and, and you just have to be ready for that. And it is, it is very draining when you, we have a couple good days where I'm like, man, he looks great. He's happy. And then we wake up one morning and I look and his eyes are red and his ears are red. And I'm like, no, we've been so good out of nowhere. What happened? There was a little wind yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's tough. And that's where like, and that's why a lot of people don't like dermatology. Like there's a lot of veterinarians who don't like it because it is chronic. It's not quick fixes, but you know, that's why I love it is because it really comes down to expectations, communication, and it's just something that's really so common for our owners to be dealing with. I have two important questions for you. Okay. And, and you're like, well, yeah, I'm on a podcast and you've been asking me questions. But these are super important questions. Okay. Question one would be this. How many humans come to you and show you something on their skin and ask for your help? How often? So not super often, but it has definitely happened. I actually think like it happened more to me when I practiced in Orange County myself um, years ago, my residency. Usually... So I had two people that come to mind when I was practicing in California. And one was I had a dog that a pug that came in and was super crazy itchy. And I was like, this dog has to have scabies. Like it was like not stopping scaly at the ear tips, scaly at the elbows, like classic. And then you always ask the question when you're worried about say scabies or or ringworm dermatophyte do any of the people in your home have lesions because they were contagious? This lady, I just said, Oh, you know, does anyone in the home or you or your partner have any lesions? And she was like, yeah, like this. And she literally lifted up her entire shirt and she let me take a picture of it. (laughs) She did. I, she just, I was just like, Oh, it's so crazy. And you know, we're talking about lecturing and I was like, your dog's gonna feel so good. And she's like, well, you can take a picture of it if you want. I don't care. And I was like, 
that's actually pretty cool. I zoomed in really closely to not have anything like, you know, showing obvious, but yeah, so she did. And then actually I had one client, there was a bit of a language barrier and I was treating her cat and the cat was doing really well. The cat was feisty and she would bring in her daughter to help translate while we were doing the exam. And then her daughter said, my mom wants you, was wondering if you look at her finger. And I started explaining, you know, oh, well, uh, human derm and animal derm is much different and I can't give advice on that. But then her mom showed me her finger and it was completely swollen and discolored. And I was like, did she get a bite? And she goes, yeah, the cat had bit her like three days before and she didn't go to see anybody. And I was like, you definitely need to ask your mom to please go see like urgent care at the ER now. And, and she went and got on heavy duty antibiotics and was fine. But I was like, I can't make her make a recommendation except for you definitely need to go see a human doctor. Cause it was like all swollen and there was like pus draining out of it. Oh, Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad it's not like all the time. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I imagine that people are like constantly texting you and saying like, oh, hey, you know, I'm your, I'm your husband's uncle's son. And, you know, we haven't talked in a while, but I know you do this stuff. And I, you know, I'd love for you to take a look at this weird thing on my ankle or something. Yeah. I have some family members who occasionally do that, but I think like by now you get to a point in your career where you're, you know, very much can be like, have to put the boundaries up of, you really need to go see your human doctor or you really need to go see your own veterinarian. Like if someone tries to text me a picture and we haven't talked for like 15 years and it's, I can't do a cytology or anything like that. So you kind of learn to train people really well. Well, the second part of that question was how often do people come to you and say, Hey, can I just text you a picture of my dog? Now I'm going to put out a disclaimer hey, that Adam Greenbaum has. I've done that. And it was actually, I will tell you, it was a very scary moment for us. You know, Sophie's 10. She's an old Boston Terrier. She still runs and she's a little psychopath. And she had this thing on her toe and it was late at night. And of course, I'm like, I feel horrible, but I'm very freaked out. And I text you. And obviously, we ended up going to our vet the next day and he tested it. And, even, you know, even he said, he said, listen, this is either a histiocytoma or a mast cell. And I was vaguely familiar with both, but I wanted more information. And he said, look, man, you better cross your fingers. This is histiocytoma either way. And, you know, we talked about, well, you know, she could lose the toe. She could do this. And there we are. We had a very somber night. And the thing was, I text you and I knew you couldn't, you couldn't have no idea over a text image, but I don't know. I figure you get those a lot. And I really would bet, and I hope I'm wrong. I really bet you get a lot of like Instagram DMs about it. Yeah, I do. And I will say like, I, I do get it. Like sometimes people are like, Oh, I can't believe they do that. It's like, listen, when you're frustrated or you're scared or you're nervous and you think you have that ability to like at least get some comfort, then I completely get it. Cause I've had that happen with my kids or it's like, you know, I don't know any pediatricians I'm super close with, but I've had like freak out movements with them or my own dog, like where I'm just like, is this, do I worry? Do I not? Oh my gosh. So I do like, I always understand. And I also felt bad about your text. Cause I at least could have been like, it's probably one of these two just get it aspirated tomorrow. But it was like, I remember the week that we had put our dog down and I did, I had like a ton of text messages. I never got back to, so I didn't even get back to your text until like you'd already gone to your veterinarian, but the important, <laughs> so I always felt bad. So I'm like, I could have at least made him feel better. But obviously I was like in a, my own sad state. And sometimes it's really hard. And that's something I've had to learn because 
again, I totally get it. Like, and I get where it's nice to try to get an easy answer, but I ha- that's something that I've actually had to learn to put boundaries up about because I'm very much love to help. And I very much love to make a difference in my friends who are veterinarians lives, or obviously my clients or my patients. But there is a point where you start getting a lot of social media, like pictures, or what should I do with this case? And when you're I already work a lot. And when all of a sudden it's Saturday morning, breakfast with my family, and you're just trying not to pay attention to that stuff, you do have to kind of start limiting that. And it's hard. Luckily, I am starting to do some teleconsulting. My company is partnering with that now to do teleconsulting. So at least now I can kind of say, you know, we can we can schedule like an official time if you really want some help with a case. But it's just such a fine line we have to walk in this digital world where people can get a hold of you. Oh, trust me. I mean, I deal with it too. And it's tough for me. Oh, I because, well, it goes both ways. I mean, we have clients between all of the hospitals that work with Whisker. Like we have thousands and thousands of people around the world. So, and, and, you know, like certain people and I become close and that's cool. And they have my cell phone and I have theirs and it kind of works both ways. You know, I'll get a text on a Saturday morning at like five in the morning. That's like, we got a horrible review. The person was a client. I don't know what to do because Google won't take this down because they were actually there. And, and I'll text them back and I'll say, hey, I'm, I'm walking my dogs in 30 minutes and I'll call you. And I call them at 6 a.m. Pacific time and I just say, hey, this is the game plan. This is what we're going to do. And just know that next time my dog sneezes, I'm calling you at any time of the day <laughs> or night and asking you if they're OK. So yeah. it kind of goes both ways. But yeah, I mean, I get Facebook messages, Instagram messages that are like, hey, can you help us with this? Or, I mean, a, a lot of the things we get are we'll get something on weekends where we'll go to our support team and it'll, they'll email our support team at like 8.30 on a Saturday night. And then they'll Facebook message me and say, you're going to hate me. You know, we had this doctor quit today and we want them off the site immediately. Can you please take them off? And typically I'll go jump in and log into our system and do it just to like make them happy. I, but yeah, boundaries are tough. And then it's actually a good segue because I was going to ask you, it's like, I talk to veterinary professionals all the time and we talk about all of the amazing parts of vet med and my wife and I, as you know, our dogs are our kids. And it's like, for us, these are our kids. You guys take care of them. You guys make Baxter and Sophie and Nala feel better. And that means the world to us. There's all of these positive things about vet med just because you guys don't have like the, Hey, from puppy to senior years, nose to tail wellness exams, we're going to be there to get them on the right wellness plan to vaccinate them, to do the spay and neuter and be there through all stages of their life. Talk to me about how you still have a lot of that positive relationship with these pet owners as they're sort of like spending their life with you kind of probably only calling you when it's like, okay, there's another flare up Baxter's ears are red. Yeah, we deal a lot when they're not doing well, but I do really try to train my clients and talk to them about the importance of like good rechecks too. We set standard rechecks to check in with our patients, even if it could be six months or it could be a year, but we do set rechecks of, Hey, we just need to check some lab work, but hopefully they're doing great. Or we just need to make sure I just want to see them with my own eyes in the middle of spring and make sure things are going well if that's a time of year that we usually struggle. So we really do try to train our clients the importance of doing a cytology all the time and to recheck with us when directed so that we can try to manage them the best that's possible. But we certainly have our own set of clients who get really frustrated that their pet is having another flare or all the antibiotic we prescribed didn't work or 
we have our own set of clients who have, I've had people come to me and they say, I can only pay your exam fee. That's it. I can't pay anything else right now. And we have to really kind of walk through that. We need to work our way up to doing things like cytology or doing things like saving up for a medication to control their pet. So it has its own difficulties, but it really just comes down to that communication because our clients often come and it's not very often we get someone who just comes to see us because they're proactive and say their dog's doing great, but they want an allergy test that happens. But usually we come because people are desperate. Like they just feel like nothing's working. Their pets are miserable. They're looking for answers. And we tend to set aside a pretty good amount of time to talk to clients just so we can really set those expectations of what we need to do to get them under control, but what we're going to have to do the rest of their lives to keep them under control. So I think we get a a set of clientele that usually are either more desperate or or really just frustrated and, and looking for some kind of help or some sort of advice that maybe they just don't feel like they've had before. But we do have to walk a fine line too, because a lot of times these pets come in and their veterinarians have done tons of things, right? Like lots of things and they're just difficult cases. So it's also about teaming up with that primary veterinarian And again, that team effort is just really important to me. Like I'm part of the team, the general vet's part of the team, the owner's part of the team, and we all have to be working together to manage that pet for the best that we can manage that pet. That's cool. And that's sort of how we see, I am the freak that's like constantly like, can we check his allergies again? Oh, he's still allergic to me. Okay. Good to know. (laughs) But see, I love that. So I, I have owners that come and they're like, it's not that bad, but I just wanted you to look. I'm like, please. Like, I don't want my whole day to just be disaster cases. Like I love the cases that come in that are very astute pet owners like you, like to me, like that's much easier to manage allergies with really intuitive owners rather than the, wow, they've been terrible for like a month. I thought I'd finally bring them in. So I would take you as a client for sure. You know, it's funny. It's like, this is how serious about it I am. I have alerts in my phone. The dogs eat at 7 a.m. and 5 p.m. every day. They let me know the literally the minute the clock hits five on the dot. Like you could count it down and Baxter's like, hey, I'm, it's dinner time. He'll start like <laughs> making noises. But it's like I have it in my phone, 7 a.m. and 5 p.m. Apoquel with dinner, Apoquel with breakfast. Like we don't miss it when he's doing it. You know, days where he doesn't need it, we skip it. But you said something earlier. I said, wow, you've really built a big following. And you were like, eh, it's just 7,600 Instagram followers and this podcast and this amazing website and this course that a crazy amount of people have bought. So you're very humble. (laughs) But like you've built this brand. And like you said, you're at the beginning of it. And it's not even... And like, I know you because you work on it with us and you work on it with Danielle who works here. And like, we kind of go through all of those things. So like with that being said, you've been doing it. And it doesn't even seem that big to you where I think there's a billion people out there trying to build brands in veterinary medicine and in other industries who would kill to have the following that you have. So what are your plans? What do you want to do? How serious do you take it? And and just sort of as you're becoming one of these like brands where people will eventually say, oh, that's the derm vets. Talk to me about all of this process of becoming sort of a known person in vet med. I think that's the Midwest in me (laughs) where my family's originally from that it's always hard for me to, you know, really accept like something's been really successful or has been doing well. And, you know, just because someone's successful at something or doing something well 
doesn't mean we don't all, we all have imposter syndrome where we can see someone who's doing more than us or has more of a following than us. And you have to kind of check yourself and surround yourself with people who keep you accountable and what's really important. You know, for me, like it's been really exciting to see like the following grow But really the reason why personally is because I know majority of people following me are veterinarians or vet students or vet techs or people in the vet field somehow. And if I get the knowledge out there, even basic knowledge, like, hey, do the cytologies. Hey, you know, scrape a claw fold with a toothpick, like things that are really easy things to adjust how you're practicing. They're not anything you have to, you know, you could do it tomorrow, if I get more followers and more eyes and more listeners to the podcast, to me, why that's important is because that turns into I'm helping more pets. Like that's why it's important to me that more people kind of see the information is because if I, I feel like if I make it fun, it's what I love. It's easy for me to make it fun and be passionate about it. Cause that's truly who I am. Like when I lecture and I do these things, like it's just me, like this is how I talk to anyone, how I would talk about an allergy case. Like to me, if that translates to, oh, that was kind of more fun to see it that way. I'm going to try that. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, I tag people all the time who tag me, who do clawfold cytology. And all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, it's a game changer. Well, to me, that just meant maybe three cases that day who are itchy got better because I taught them how to do that. So that's why like, that's more important to me as far as where I wanted to see it go. Like I've just actually made adjustments in my schedule to have more time to work on it because I felt like opportunities and ability to have it grow better were starting to pop up. And it was really hard for me to manage everything with a really busy clinic schedule and then two young kids at home. So my hope really in the next like year is to continue bringing even better content. It's not just me. I have people who help make things like graphics, like Cheyenne with Hashwag helps do some of my graphics and managing so that I can really just focus on doing the content because that's what I'm good at. For me to figure out how to do a graphic, like what could take you (laughs) like five minutes. I kid you not. It would take me probably a couple hours on Canva. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm doing something I'm not good at and I'm not getting the actual stuff I'm good at out there. So people, I have started having people help me so I can put more stuff out there. And that's something as a mom and a busy working veterinarian, like for a long time, I didn't, right? Because I have to invest in that. But then there was a point where it was worth investing in it. So one, I could stay more sane. <laughs> but two, so that I could make it better and have people who are actually good at stuff do it. Now, the content's me. Like, that's all me. But, you know, if they can make a quote I said on a podcast look pretty, if they can help edit some video I record when I do a podcast or a speaking event look good, then that's going to save me a lot of time. So now that I have some of that help, my hope is to continue growing the brand, have more opportunity. And my ultimate goal is I want to try to create some community of people like interested in dermatology and actually kind of have more of this, you know, family feel to the fellow derm nerds out there. So I'm still kind of marinating on exactly what that's going to look like. I've thrown around the idea of doing some sort of like, group or I don't know, something where you could log into the account and have access to certain things, but I'm still kind of figuring that out. My other hope is to actually in some time in 2021, like launch my own like actual 
full courses. Like, hey, here's a here's like your four lectures that will teach you about dog allergies or cat allergies or whatever. So that's where I'm hoping it will go. But it's been a really fun journey. And I've just learned to have to be open to whatever comes my way. And you and I like sat there on a Sunday with yeah. both of our families and we like went through some stuff. And and I don't mind saying this on the podcast, like you did a course, my team helped you set it up and damn, you did great. It killed it. I even like, I sat there and I've said this to Danielle. I'm like, here we are. Like we have these people who are at the top of their professions and they can make these awesome courses and, and people will buy them because it's valuable and it's much less expensive than some of these, like whether you're paying for CE courses or whether you're going to some of these conferences. And then you have experts like you and Danielle who've just said, well, wait a second. I'm going to save you the travel. I'm going to save you the time away from your family, the hotel room costs. And I'm going to give you these incredible courses for a pretty manageable cost. And it's like, I kind of see VetMed really going that way. And I think you do need to sort of build that brand and become the superhero version of yourself. You have to go from Ashley to the Derm Vet. And that's how you become that. But like what you talked about too, it's like, Put that in perspective. I love what you said. It's like you have Whisker Cloud help you with stuff. You have Cheyenne, you and Danielle work together. What I love about what we do at Whisker Cloud, it's like it's not that expensive and we do a million things for you. And just so like to make it clear, this podcast, I'm not the expert. So you talked about it, like making a graphic in Canva will take you hours. Oh man, it's no different. I can code a lot of cool stuff, software and websites and automations. And I'm building my own AI that's sort of like Iron Man's Jarvis right now. <laughs> I can do all that. But you asked me to like edit and record and do all this stuff with a podcast. No way. Oh man, it's like 500 bucks an episode. And I pay this amazing company in Tennessee to do it for us. 500 bucks an episode. That's a crazy amount. It's not like people are paying to listen to this, but I'm like you. I want to get this information out, whether it's me and Danielle talking about veterinary technology, whether it's Brandon Brashears and I talking about ads, whether it's me and Michael Shirley talking about building a team. Last week, me and Cody Krillman recorded an awesome episode. You and I are recording now. It's like, I like the education part of it just as much as you. And there's probably going to be a lot of non-dermatology vets who are going to listen to this and say, well, hold on a second. I might not be a dermatology specialist, but I perform dermatology for clients that come in. I do check pet skin. And if I can follow her and get some of her courses because she's clearly the expert, then it's a win-win for everyone. And really, you know what experts are? Experts are just the people that took the time to say, I'm going to become a brand. And you've done that. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's been interesting. And I think the one thing for anyone who's like trying to develop a brand or figuring out like how they want to do that. One, I think you have to know why you're doing it. Like what's truly the reason why. And for me, it was I truly want to help more pets. And I feel like I can see as many clients as I want here. And I see a lot. But also if I can teach veterinarians across the US and hopefully world to like practice better, I can help even more. But I also think what's important for being a brand is you have to be genuine. Like if anyone watches my social media stuff, like I don't, I'm not a polished person. <laughs> I am not one that like, you know, I don't wear makeup most days that I'm just sitting at home recording. I don't pretend to be a super mom because I'm definitely not. You also just need to be genuine, whatever that looks like for you. Like for me, if I always had to look prim and proper and perfect and put out something that was with a nice little bow on it, 
I would never get it done because <laughs> it's just not my personality. I'm, you know, I'm a sports girl. I'm active. I'm a hot mess. Um, so you just have to find out, like, don't try to be something you're not. It will come organically. I have never like paid to have any followers, or anything like that. It's all just based on like, just putting it out there and just realizing I would rather have really good quality people that want to follow me rather than people who are just following me for a completely different reason. So you're saying I'm probably wasting time by having someone professionally do hair and makeup every day before I start work. It takes, it must take a long time to do your hair though. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) My husband's always amazed the days like I do like recordings or have to like do webinars where I do put on makeup. He's like, oh, look at you. I'm like, I know you don't usually get (laughs) this. I know you don't usually get this. (laughs) There's a joke from the show Modern Family where Phil says to Claire, he goes, you know, the other day you put on makeup and I was like, there she is. So yeah, I use that joke at home too because it's like, it's COVID. I don't know, I'm with you. It's like, here I am. The, the CEO of this company, thousands of customers around the world. I've got employees. I have more employees than I ever thought we'd have. And we just hired four more. And I'm like, I can't believe I have like, I manage people who manage people who manage people. And we've just, we're growing so quick. And it's like, here I am talking to you right now in an incredible Hulk t-shirt and black bike shorts because I'm going to ride the Peloton later today. And it's like, yeah, that's me right now. My employees don't know that, but it's just very funny that like, no, this is how it is. Welcome to uh, the weirdest year of our lives. Oh yeah, totally. Like even at work, like not that I ever wore a ton of makeup, but now like most of us are like, well, we wear a mask all day and our clients don't come in the building. So (laughs) we don't care. (laughs) But, you know, as long as we take care of their pets, it doesn't matter. Now, you brought up being a sports girl. Yeah. I'm not going to bring up the Vikings. Oh, yeah. Not this year, please. I am also. So Minnesota Vikings, for sure. My number one NFL team, no doubt. Like, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not like jumping. But I also am a very big Chiefs fan because I lived by Kansas City for quite a while. So they're the one I got to hold on to right now because it is definitely not my purple. Well, everyone at Whisker Cloud knows Lauren. Lauren lives in Minnesota. She's a pretty big Vikings fan. And me, I ended the last podcast that was recorded with Cody. I said, okay, I'm getting off and I'm going to go watch my Lakers win a championship. And that's on the recording, which will be going live next week. And it was just one of those things where it was like, okay, I'm going to say this. And then uh, hopefully next week, people will listen and be like, oh, wow, that was cool. They won for him. But I was very stressed. So I am kind of in that, that trash talking sports mode, like my team won, everyone else's teams are bad. So yeah, when you brought up sports, I just, I had to shout out King James, Anthony Davis and the Lakers, because I've been put through hell for many years with sports and the Dodgers keep making me sad because they get very close and drop the ball on us every year. So um Pulling for the Vikings, though, in the future. And the Chiefs, we have family in Kansas City who love the Chiefs, so we don't dislike them. I knew when I got on there somehow you were going to bring up the Lakers, but I did not mean to be the catalyst for it. Yeah, you really set that up. I know you like the Vikings. I've seen you in Vikings stuff. And I was, I mean, I even have in my notes here, it's like, how am I going to somehow slip in a King James and <laughs> reference? And you really just put it on the platter uh, for me. That was great. Well, if you ever have me on again, I will be more careful. 
<laughs> well, this was a lot of fun. I hope the things that people can take away from it are here you are, you've become an expert in your field and you're not bashful about it. And I really think the difference between the people that become brands, that become Danielle, that become Cody, that become Ashley Bourgeois, like those people are the people that just say, hey, I want to take this to the next level. And you kind of you kind of made it sound like it's really not that hard. And you're right. Like it's hard, you know, if you find the right people that can help you, the Danielles, the Cheyennes, the Whisker Clouds, like you can do all of this stuff. You don't have to be a graphic designer. You don't have to be someone who can design courses or set up e-commerce stores or build websites. It's not hard if you find the right people like me. People are like, wow, you own a tech company. You should be able to do everything. No, after this recording's done, I get an email saying, here's the recordings. I forward it to them and I'm like, hey, please make this sound good. And if I said anything stupid, delete it. <laughs> and, and it's pretty much that simple because I have no idea what else we're doing. So what's like one final piece of advice you would give to people who are like you who just say, hey, I want to build a brand and I want to be... I want to be something special in sort of the new age of vet medicine and social media. Yeah, it's a good question. We talked about being genuine already, which I think is really important. But I think honestly, you have to get out of your own way. I know for me, like when I went to go start my podcast, like my little Derm Vet podcast, which I'm not as fancy as you, I literally record it and then send it to my brother. <laughs> who splices it together. <laughs> but I put off doing that for a long time because I was like, well, I don't really know how to do it. Do I get the microphone or not? Like how, how do I even like, how do I put a podcast onto apps? And I just kind of kept putting it off until finally one night I was about to go to bed and I was like, oh my gosh, I've had this microphone in my Amazon cart forever. I'm just going to buy it and just figure it out. And so sometimes you have to get out of the way of thinking, I have to be perfect or I have to invest all this money to do this stuff right away. You don't at all. Like you just need to start. You just have to start and you have to be willing to think of it as a journey. Like when I started it, I didn't really know what was going to come of it. And it's, it's starting to become something that's really exciting and having a lot of fun opportunities. So my biggest advice would be be genuine, know why you want to do it, what your intention is to do it. And then just start and quit being in your own way. Thank you for being here. This was awesome. You are forever the derm vet in all of our hearts. And I'll probably be texting you later to take a look at Baxter's ears. <laughs> I am happy to do it. Even if I have to say, go have your vet take a cytology. And for those of you out there listening, I've been yelled at about this. Please subscribe to Whisker Talks on Apple and Spotify rate, review, share. Do you want to shout out your podcast? Because I've listened to it and it's really good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I have a podcast. It's the Derm Vet Podcast. It is a mixture of short 10 to 15 minute episodes with just quick topics to improve your derm knowledge. And then I also mix in some longer episodes where I actually interview and discuss cases with other dermatologists, which is a lot of fun. All right, everyone go subscribe, rate, and all of that other fun stuff. Thanks for being here. You and I will chat soon and have a great rest of your night. Thank you. You too. <laughs>